This is TechWave, a Gartner IT podcast. Welcome to TechWave, Gartner's podcast for technology-driven business results. I'm your host, Francis Cherubusis, and our podcast structure for this month is Nerd With Me. In this format of our podcast, we invite one of our most important content leaders for a specific topic, and we explore the challenges, the difficult client problems that their teams are facing and researching, and what we're going to be delivering the next maybe 12 to 18 months as a research team. So we named this format Nerd With Me because we delve into that particular topic or concept really deeply and kind of maybe burrow a hole in the middle of it and understand the implications uh, and most of all the actions that we advise our clients. So with that backdrop, I'd like to introduce Mr. Byrne Elliott. Uh, Byrne is a 20-year veteran and we're actually uh, on the artificial intelligence team together. Um, and he's done a variety of roles both inside Gartner and within industry. So, Burr, welcome, and thanks for joining us on Gartner's TechWig podcast. Thanks, Fran. I'm really happy to be here. This is a first for me. I know you've done a bunch of these, but this is my first time, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, we have a great topic, and the topic is uh, ChatGPT and some of the technologies around it, and most importantly, what are some of the enterprise implications? So let's set, set the stage. First of all, the acronym ChatGPT stands for Chat Generative pre-trained transformer or chat GPT. That's a mouthful there. So it'll be interesting to see over time as these things uh, move into the enterprise where we get some better acronyms. But we're going to make just a few assumptions that at least people have heard of it, maybe read an article or two, or have just a general basic understanding, maybe downloaded it or typed in a few things. So with those uh, things in mind, uh, given all the hype around it, Byrne, why don't you give us a, a really quick or short kind of overview of what we're referring to so that people can kind of get familiar with the topic. Okay, great, Brent. You know, uh, Gardner's had over a thousand inquiries in the last two months uh, on ChatGPT. I mean, it just, this thing is just unbelievably hot. And, uh, you know, all the time uh, I run into clients who are familiar with it and yet, uh, the basics are always useful to go over, you know? So I uh, just, the, the basics, as we mentioned, you know, GPT, you know, generatively trained. Um, and then GPT is a model, as you mentioned, a foundation model, um, you know, also known as a large language model. Um, and then chat GPT is a specific application. We call it a chat application and the chat front ends a model that's been specifically trained. The model is a GPT version 3.5. So when people talk about ChatGPT, they're talking about a specific application. Whereas if they say just GPT, then they're talking about a model. Um, and it's important to have that distinction. You know, also people probably know this, but ChatGPT has been around for a while. OpenAI was founded in 2015, and they came out with this, and it had a lot of promise. And Microsoft invested uh, quite a bit in 2019, $1 billion in 2019, and then in, recently, in 2023, they invested $10 billion. And with that, they get rights um, to it um, exclusively until uh, that amount is repaid. So 
you know, it's really quite amazing the way this thing has come into the market. So I love that you kind of explained for, for, for everyone the difference between GPT and ChatGPT. Then you mentioned OpenAI. I just want to make sure that everyone knows OpenAI Inc. is a not-for-profit. And then OpenAI LLP is a for-profit subsidiary. And that's when you refer to the investments that Microsoft made. It's in these organizations. And then separate and apart from that, Microsoft themselves, um, obviously it's a, a very large vendor and a for-profit company. Um, so that's kind of what's going on with those uh, companies and groups of companies. But we also, many of our listeners uh, might've heard announcements made by lots of other vendors like Google came out with BARD and there are other vendors in the marketplace. Maybe you could just kind of give us a really quick synopsis of uh, some of the other vendors in the marketplace and what we think about the competitive landscape. There are uh, quite a few open source um, models in the market. Uh, so those would be competitors or alternatives to GPT. And even within the GPT family, there's a GPT-2, there's a GPT-3. Um, so there are other um, large language models as well in the market. So, you know, that gives you a feel for the kinds of things that, that are, are in the market. In terms of chat GPT, uh, you know, there are other vendors available um, that have made forays into it, um, but they've been pulled back. Uh, largely because of the confusion of the model itself, because it gets tripped up and then it says things that it shouldn't be saying. And then uh, the vendor has ended up um, with some problems within the market. So right now, there is not another version out there that is like ChatGPT, but we do expect others to come onto the market. Thanks for that uh, quick competitive uh, landscape discussion. So given your response, let's go back to ChatGPT. Tell us, what are you hearing from clients? Well, there's a tremendous amount of confusion in the market about the topic. Um, and in part, it's because this came on so fast that uh, there has been little chance to prepare the market uh, with education. One of the areas that has tremendous confusion is that there are two versions of ChatGPT in the market. There's the OpenAI LLC's ChatGPT, which is available today, and I mentioned that earlier. Uh, they are a group that originally came up with it. And then there's another version of ChatGPT, which is Microsoft's Azure OpenAI Services ChatGPT. Now, this has been announced, um, but it's actually not currently available. And the confusion comes in two places. Some people assume that any ChatGPT they use is Microsoft's. The other point of confusion would be to think that the version that they use is secure. Um, and neither of those are true. The OpenAI ChatGPT does not enforce privacy um, constraints. Um, it does not adhere to compliance. Um, it does not maintain confidentiality. So when you are playing with ChatGPT, treat it like that, that, like you were playing with it. It is not a product that you want to put enterprise confidential information for sure, but even enterprise proprietary information. Once Microsoft Azure releases its version of ChatGPT, that is the version that you would then target for actual application um, of business uses. Um, so that's really an initial clarification, Fran, because that's like 
a super important point that enterprises uh, need to be aware of. Once you have that release from Microsoft, then you can have the expectations of security compliance and confidentiality. Um, so just be aware of that. And if you ever wonder, uh, go ahead and look up the OpenAI LLC's privacy statement and you'll see um, it's really not private at all um, what you're doing. Um, now, you know, just briefly, I know you mentioned this earlier, but briefly, you know, Microsoft, when they come in with this, they have several ideas for a strategy. Um, we expect to see the Microsoft Azure version baked into Microsoft applications like 365, Power BI, or Bing. Um, but another big objective of Microsoft is to challenge Google's search. Um, and so we're seeing some early beta of Microsoft introducing ChatGPT into the Bing solution. Um, and really at this point, it's still sort of tuning and, and, and trying to figure out how does this work best as a complement to a standard search. But that is another important part of the direction and of the strategy. Well, thanks for clearing that up. So I think a lot of things are going to uh, be quite dynamic as we progress with 2023. But given um, all of the behind the scenes going on with the vendors, maybe we can turn to more of the uh, our end users um, and consumers of these things. What are some of the main use cases that we're seeing for ChatGPT? Well, you know, Fran, when we first started looking at use cases, we thought, well, we're going to go to this industry. It's what are the use cases in pharmaceutical? What are the use cases in travel? What are the use cases in education? And what we found was the general use cases were quite similar. They just are being used in different contexts. So, you know, first, the, the general use cases we see, the most common one is for written content augmentation creation. That's really where ChatGPT excels. You give it some information about what you're looking for. It could be a question. It could be some constraints. Um, and then it produces uh, some output. In some cases, that's really quite interesting. Now, the thing to be aware of when you're using that content is ChatGPT, as I mentioned, um, has some limitations and some risks. It is not always accurate. It does something that's sometimes called hallucination and does some things that are sometimes called erroneous answers. Um, but the upshot is that the content needs to be reviewed by a user before you would put it into an actual business um, context. Um, so nonetheless, written content augmentation and creation is really the most common use case we're seeing today. And it's really a, a terrific use case if properly used. A second use case is question answering and discovery. Uh, the format allows users to locate answers based on data Often the data you provide in your prompt um, uh, provides the context for the answers that you're looking for. A third area, again, related to text manipulation is tone. So for instance, you may have some text already um, and you say, well, I'd like this, but I'd like this repeated um, in a more friendly way or in a more professional way. Um, uh, we always talked to one healthcare provider uh, that was experimenting with it to produce discharge um, information to, for patients in a level of language that is better understood because a lot of time the discharge notices are uh, you know written by a medical professional and the person being discharged is not a medical professional so they don't really understand uh, what it means and so they're experimenting with taking discharge instructions for instance um, 
uh, check the bandage, take it off every day, make sure it's dry, reapply this ointment, and that kind of information. And it rephrases it in a way uh, that is easier to understand. So that's, a, that's an actual use case being thought about um, and being tested based on tone. Another area that we see use cases is summarization. So here, uh, it allows you to give it a set of text, um, and then you instruct the uh, ChatGPT to, to reduce the length um, and provide you a summary. Um, this could be useful for articles or conversations, um, emails or web pages. Um, there's a lot of uh, use cases here. And again, uh, you don't want to just take it as it is. Uh, you want to make sure you review it for accuracy, um, but this can be quite useful. Um, simplification is another use case um, where it takes uh, uh, titles or outlines or extraction of key content and, and, and produces that out of a broader set of information. It's a variation of a summarization. Um, more generally, it can classify content. For instance, you can take a whole bunch of statements about sentiment and get a summary of the sentiment. Um, or it can classify which of these are, you know, a positive sentiment or which ones are a negative sentiment or which ones pertain to a particular topic. This is being explored in a variety of ways, including um, customer feedback. Um, you know, a big use case area is chatbots. Chatbots, uh, chat GPT is a variation of a chatbot, but chatbots themselves that are in the market uh, use um, a lot of methods uh, inside of them that can be augmented with um, ChatGPT or um, more often actually GPT algorithms um, to help them identify the intent of the caller, for instance. Um, and then the last one I'll mention, Fran, is software code augmentation. There's a, a variety of ways that, that uh, ChatGPT can assist developers in interpreting and reviewing code. Um, right now, we're very cautious on recommending that you use chat GPT to develop code. Um, there are other tools out there that are probably better at this point. And some of, uh, there are some legal concerns and other concerns. Uh, so, uh, as you approach the software code aug area, aug software code augmentation topic, um, it's certainly worthwhile experimenting if you're in that area. Uh, but be cautious about how you approach that. Thanks, Bern. Those were really interesting use case examples. In fact, when you were talking about tone um, and giving that healthcare example, I was actually the whole time also thinking about my tax returns. Yeah. Both you and I reside in the United States and uh, we're kind of approaching tax season in April. And I was thinking in my mind, wow, what would it look like if we kind of put those really interesting instructions that they give for our tax return uh, in there and see if it can kind of tone it down so it's much more understandable, you know, to the pedestrians of the rest of us who uh, aren't immersed in, in tax law. But I digress. Let me um, kind of, you know, now that you talk about some of the use cases, maybe you could talk about some of a quick, you know, rundown of a few industries or business areas where you might see some of these examples. Yeah, sure. And, and actually, what you're describing there is one of the use cases uh, we are seeing. But because it's early stage, um, it's not directly in the market. However, uh, we do see sort of this mix of uh, an assistant that's targeted on a topic 
that knows the kinds of journeys that people are trying to do and the very conversational uh, uh, capabilities of ChatGPT can be used to help people navigate their way through a more complex topic. And it can follow you along. So, um, for instance, the tax example, um, you know, if, it, if, it's if the application is working, let's just say, with a, with a tree. So you go down the tax tree, and, and if you get to a question and you have more questions, you have a series of questions related to item three, and then you might have a series of questions related to item four. And so this is where it, it can become really targeted. And when the information in the interaction is targeted, then it becomes much more useful. Uh, and so actually, where we're seeing use cases is not so much the general one, for instance, you know, tell me about the Napoleonic Wars or something like that. You know, that's really, you know, it's, it's amazing, but that's not really the use cases we're seeing come out. The use cases we see coming out are really much more targeted and embedded within applications. So, uh, you know, looking ahead, uh, you know, we would expect applications um, that support users, for instance, users filling in a tax form, to be able to give you targeted advice on the specific piece you're using. And then the conversational aspects um, and the, the strong description that ChatGPT type solutions can give will become really useful. But, you know, Fran, I digress as well here, so I apologize there. Yeah, yeah, why don't you take us through some industry examples? Yeah, sure. So, you know, customer service, I mentioned that, but certainly customer service is really a, a, a big use case. We're seeing a lot of interest by the vendors, um, also a lot of interest by contact center operators and, and those responsible for them. Um, you know, the, within um, the chatbot technology itself, um, we see... Uh, large language models being used to improve the ability to identify the intent. We see it being used to summarize the conversation with a caller. It may be able to answer questions. As I said, you have to be careful about inaccurate answers. So you have to decide how you're going to handle that, perhaps giving the answer to a person who can then assist the customer. Um, it can also help direct customers to resources. Uh, so there's really a lot of use cases within customer service. Um, Sales and marketing is another area that uh, has a lot of potential near term. Um, there's a lot of language being generated um, that can engage with customers on a website. It can provide product descriptions for people who are responsible for marketing and sales. Um, you know, domains like this where there's a lot of text involved um, can find real uses. Um, you know, a variation of a of customer service is another kind of assistant, which is a personal assistant. So, uh, you know, it's quite, quite easy to imagine how, you know, having a personal a voice assistant or personal text assistant that understands the context of your calendar, your emails, um, where you are, for instance, in a particular project. Um, when you're working on a document, um, it knows other documents you've used to develop that. Um, you know, having the strong contact makes it much more powerful. And if it's a personal assistant, that it knows your context. So those are some of the areas we're expecting um, to see it. Um, again, these are sort of broad, as you can see. Um, some of the earlier uh, industries that we're seeing in here are education. I think I mentioned them uh, earlier, but uh, education certainly is a place where uh, there's been a lot of interest in it. Um, of course, 
there were a lot of alarm bells going off in education saying, well, students are going to use this to write their essays. Um, uh, but really, sure, that's a problem. But realistically, what you can do, what the more forward-looking educators are doing and saying, okay, this is a given. We're going to have people using this. So let's give an assignment where we tell them, here's something created by a chatbot or a chat GPT. Critique it. Say, tell us things that it could have done differently. Um, that's one use case. Another area is to help it create um, lesson plans. Uh, uh, look at looking back to the previous example with the sort of the the guided the guided approach. Um, it can work as a tutor as you go through different problems. It can help you understand how a problem could be solved. Uh, that would be another use case. And then just as a last comment, one thing that ChatGPT does not do is give you the source of where it got an answer. So it may give you a great answer, but it doesn't tell you where that answer came from. So educators can say, look, write a paper on this topic, and I want you to cite your sources. I want the, 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 the article or the book and the page number in the footnote. And so that forces people to really understand where this information is coming from. There are use cases in healthcare. I think I mentioned some of them earlier, so I won't spend too much time on that, but um, certainly um, healthcare is looking at it. A lot of language involved there. Um, and then programming. I think I mentioned programming as, a, as an area, but the IT departments are really interested in this, Fran. There's a lot, they see a lot of possible use cases there. Wow. Okay. Yes. And I'm sure we could talk about this for a whole other hour when we talk about use cases. So let me kind of like take a, like give us a level set of where we've been. We've talked about a little bit about the technology and the vendors and kind of what's going on. Gave a few examples of use cases and now you kind of really talk us through some industry cases. Now I'm going to put myself in the shoes or the minds of somebody in the C-suite of our enterprise clients. So I might be the CEO or I might be the chief security officer or the chief marketing officer worried about our brand or the CIO. In any of those cases, what a lot of the discussions are, are about risk. So maybe you could take us through uh, kind of an overview of what are some of the risks that people are, are uh, should be thinking about, worried about, um, and then we'll sort of follow up to see um, whether this should be implemented and, and how in organizations and specifically in enterprise organizations. Yeah, you know, this is a really interesting area because it is raising some really new concerns that had not come up previously in the area of software because software had always been assumed to be accurate. If it's a computer, you know, like it, the word compute, you know, it's like a calculator. Like no one thinks a calculator is going to give them a wrong answer. And so the assumption was always that, well, if it's coming from a computer, it's going to be accurate. But we're, we've come into really this different kind of, this different generation of application. Um, and, uh, you know, it's really creating some very new issues that need to be thought about um, as you deploy these. Um, I mentioned hallucinations and false answers. That's certainly a first one. Um, be aware that this, these models don't actually understand anything. They are predicting ne the next word and the next word after that based on previous words. And all of this is being predicted based on a set of constraints that you provided. Um, it is a prediction of what the most likely next word is given this context. It, it does not understand really what it's saying. 
The other problem is that it will always give you an answer. So if it doesn't have a good one, it'll give you the next best one it has, and hence making up answers. Um, so that's really a big concern. Another big concern comes in from the beginning, which is, is the data you're using to create these models, um, to train these models accurate? Well, a lot of the models right now are trained on the internet. The internet's full of inaccuracies. So the data may not be 100% accurate, or the data may be biased. Um, you know, another concern is that these uh, models take a long time to train. So the actual training data may be out of date relative to current events. Uh, so that's a training data issue. Uh, in some areas, uh, IP and copyright is a big issue. Um, and, and that's one of the issues related to code, using it for code generation, uh, because it, some of it may have been trained using open source examples of coding. But open source doesn't mean anyone can use it at any time. In some cases, there are constraints on the open source code. For instance, you have to mention that uh, uh, where it came from. Um, and so there are some copyright infringement and IP issues in that use case, as well as some of the others. Um, in terms of more unethical uses, uh, we have deep fakes. This can be used for generating really realistic uh, conversations, but they're fraudulent. It can be used to perpetuate fraud. Um, of course, you don't really know where the model came from when it reached a conclusion, so it doesn't have accountability. Um, and then finally, you know, these models can only be developed by really large enterprise. And so, you know, we may find that there's a concentration of power because only some companies can control the, uh, the source of this kind of interaction. So, you know, those are some of the ethical concerns that, that we're aware of and, and have surfaced. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good list. Yeah, it's that's a pretty big list. <laughs> and a lot of, and a lot of them, by the way, just want to remind our listeners that a lot of this list is actually available on Gardner.com. But given the, all of these different lists that you just outlined, and earlier you sort of mentioned a really important point, which was worth reiterating about the privacy um, statement that you might see when you double click or, or drill down into the OpenAI version and the fact of where Microsoft stands here um, so far in terms of what they re released and how it released. Given all of those things, the risk, the privacy, what some of the vendors have or have not sort of maybe announced but not released, um, what are our clients doing? You know, do, do we recommend um, clients be implementing something uh, what are we what do we actually see clients both doing and what is Gartner recommending um, around this sure um, so in terms of Gartner recommendations um, we think that you know you need to recognize that this is an early stage um, technology I mean it it got hyped up and and so it's really being accelerated um, it's in some ways it's over the tip of the skis, you know, it's ahead of where it should be, but, uh, that's where the interest is. So there's all this interest and people are going, are gung ho. So it's a very hyped. Um, so as you approach it, um, be aware of the hype, be aware of the risks, but there really is potential here. I mean, it's a really interesting and has a, you know, a lot of potential to improve automation and improve operations. So um, it's worthwhile exploring and we're seeing a lot of clients that are, you know, in the early stages of exploration. We just caution them 
about the kind of concerns that we have about what information they expose on the uh, OpenAI's ChatGPT because they may be exposing private data. Um, that said, it is worth experimenting with. Just make sure all the employees understand uh, what kind of information they can use on it. And then, you know, what we see is uh, leaders developing plans. Um, what are the major threats? Or what are the major opportunities? You know, and what can we do to further expand in this area? So, I, you know, I think there's a tremendous amount of interest here, and I think it's well warranted, but I think people have to be cautious. Um, and that's pretty much what we're seeing. Okay, so now what we're going to do is go into a new phase that we're introducing in our podcast, and we're going to call this the lightning round, meaning at Gartner often do this on our stage at Symposium, but it's a rapid-fire set of questions that are meant to really be answered in 30 seconds or less. Um, so I'm going to give you a couple of rapid-fire questions, and if you can kind of give me your uh, quick, unfettered response, uh, let's uh, start with question one. Um, over the next 12 months, do you see a collective use of these kind of augmentation tools in the enterprise, either accelerating, decelerating, or stagnating? Well, totally accelerating. Uh, you know, this is really accelerating awareness of this type of capability, which is very much an augmentation capability. So, you know, this kind of uh, approach is is going to accelerate and, and we already had strong indications that um in in employee polls and when they were asked how do they prefer to uh work with ai augmentation was by far the favorite approach so i think we're going to see this accelerate that said organizations historically have been very slow to adapt and so while we're going to see acceleration I think it's going to take quite a while um, for this to really um, reach mainstream acceptance and ado adoption. What's one thing that is most misunderstood by the C-suite of enterprises about these tools? Uh, realistically, right now, I think it's the confidentiality of the tools. I mean, anybody who's using ChatGPT right now is putting their information in an in a place where uh if it's if it's enterprise confidential or it has um personally identified info or if it has any kind of corporate ip um you don't want it out there right now this is really not understood okay are you an apple or an android guy yeah and the dogs or cats well, we have, uh, we like, I like both dogs and cats. One of my kids is allergic to cats, so we've sort of focused more on dogs. Okay. And as a 20-year veteran uh, working with enterprises, if they asked you really quickly, what should you do right now? So you're in an elevator and they ask you, and you're the chat GPT guy or you're the conversational platform guy at Gartner, what, what, what should you do right now? Well, the first thing to do is read Gartner research on the topic. <laughs> really, it's a big topic. But otherwise, I would say um, uh, I get familiar cautiously with this emerging generation of technology. Great. So we covered a lot of ground. Any sort of last thoughts that you want to leave our audience with? A lot of topics here to go over. And I've sort of talked about the recommendations. Um, you know, this is a really hard topic to cover. What's been funny over the last three weeks really is 
I would start writing a report on Monday and uh, we're hoping to get it into editing on Friday. And by the time I was trying to put it into editing, uh, the information had changed from the beginning of the week. So it was kind of like Sisyphus. Every Monday I come in and try to get the document up to date. And by Friday, I've gotten it up to date, but it rolls back to the beginning because more information has come out. That might not have to invite you back to one of our podcasts. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is really more like covering a news story that's evolving at this point. Um, you know, and I think that's really the lesson here is, you know, clients need to be aware this is evolving uh, and uh, they need to sort of get in and get familiar and evolve with it. Okay. On that note, I will sort of end by highlighting for our listeners a very interesting prediction that we put out um, on this topic that by 2026, over 100 million humans will be engaged with robo colleagues, synthetic virtual colleagues that contribute to their enterprise work. So if you want to read more about that and read more about this entire topic, what does it actually mean or going to mean in the future as we augment humans with this entire new interesting tool set that definitely has, you know, its areas of risk and privacy that we have to watch out for. But like any new tool, um, we're going to see a lot of creative things happening. So with that, Thank you all for participating in our TechWave podcast. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations.